ticket, Lord. Can I ride? If I got my ticket, Lord. Can I ride? If I got my ticket, Lord. Can I ride? Ride away to heaven that morning. Now, here is what we Christians ought to do. Be certain and sure that we're living true. For by and by, without a doubt, Jehovah's gonna order his angels out. They will clean out the world and leave no sin. Tell me, hypocrites, where have you been? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away to heaven that morning. Well, I heard the sound of the gospel train. Don't you want to get on? Yes, that's my aim. I stand at the station and I patiently wait for the train is coming. She's never late. You must have your ticket stamped bright and clear. Train is coming. She's drawing near. If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Yes, if I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away to heaven that morning. I hope to be ready when the train do come. Ticket all right and my work all done. She's so long coming till she in my mind. Seem to be late, but she's just on time. If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away to heaven that morning. It keeps me always in a moving strain, trying to be ready for the gospel train. Every now and then, either day or night, I examine my ticket to see if I'm right. If the sign grants a ticket and the Holy Ghost sign, then there is no way to be left behind. Right. If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away. A great deal of talk about the judgment day. You have no time to trifle away. Tell you one thing, certain and sure. Judgment day's coming when you don't know. I hope to be ready when I'm called to go. If anything's lacking, Lord, let me know. If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I have my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away to heaven that morning. Now wait till I put on my gospel shoes. I'm gonna walk about heaven and talk the news. Want to be ready when I'm called to go. Lord, if you like it, Lord, let me know. If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Oh, if I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away to heaven, Dad.
standing side by side. Right. Me and my Jesus gonna take an evening ride. Right. Gonna wrestle with the Father, gonna chat with the Son, gonna talk about this old world where I come from. Right. If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Yes, if I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? If I got my ticket, Lord, can I ride? Ride away to heaven that on www.abundantlifelv.org. A warm welcome to our VIP special service, recognizing our senior citizens here at Abundant Life, Seven-Day Adventist Church. Our speaker is Sister Annette O'Banner. I'd like to tell you a little something about this lady. I've known her for 20 years or more. She was born in St. Louis, Missouri the eighth child of five boys and three girls. Upon completing high school, she met, she met and married her late husband, Albert O'Banner. To this union was born one daughter, Myra, and two sons, Albert and Wayne. Shortly before the birth of their third child, she and her family joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Her elder son, Albert Jr., gave his life for his country as a medic in the United States Army in 1968. Sister Elder O'Banner worked as a substitute teacher in the school district of San Bernardino and Redland, California. In 1967, the Southeastern California Conference hired her as a Bible instructor. She served the conference for 20 years before retiring. Many souls were brought to Christ because of her ministry. She has had many speaking engagements in women's retreat in various churches throughout the Pacific Union. Sister O'Banner is now currently living in Glendale, Arizona, where most of her immediate family reside. She is a proud mother, grandmother, a great-grandmother, of her family who has remained faithful members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Her daughter Myra is mad to tell William. Myra is a dynamic pianist and music director at Beacon Life Seventh-day Adventist Church in Phoenix. Myra's son Malcolm and his wife Carrie reside in Glendale, Arizona, along with their four children, Jaina, Myra, Xavier, and Jada Smith and all the active members at the Beacon Light Seventh-day Adventist Church. Her son, Pastor Wayne O'Banner, and wife Sharon, who were former members here at Abundant Life, are currently pastoring at three church districts in Nevada. Right now, they are ministering to Centennial Hills locally and two churches in Peron. They have two children. Their daughter, China, is completing her PhD at Loma Linda University. And their son, Devin, is completing his bachelor's degree at Oakwood University. Amen. Elder Annette O'Banna considered nothing more than rewarding their winning souls for Christ and continuing to lead her family and others 
on the path to the kingdom of heaven. Stay with us as she engaged with the message today, all day long. Before we hear from our speaker, Sister Annette O'Banner, we'll be favored with the precious song of meditation. Then we will hear from our speaker. May God continue to bless us as we worship him in spirit and in truth. If the ships of your life are tossing on a sea of strife, you need someone. And Cause there's no one left to share All those lonely days and nights When things just don't turn out right You want someone to care And someone to just be there You need someone I give you and grief 
pray. Loving Father, we just thank you for your love and for putting up with us sinners. We don't have anything to offer you, Lord, except our sinful selves. So if any of us feel like we are somebody, would you help us know we are nobody? without Jesus and all around this room let us make up our minds that we're going to love you we're going to serve you and one day soon Jesus would you come back and get us out of this old sinful world and we just thank you thank you for this church on this corner where somebody can hear about Jesus and this beautiful congregation and I want to thank you for my Christian sisters who gave me enough energy and enough belief that I had something that you could use me to say to them. They already love you and serve you, but we just want to thank you this morning. Amen and amen. Good morning, church. And I'm about to call you brothers and sisters. I don't know some of you. But before I leave here, I plan to come by every one of you. So when I'm standing at that door, and everybody's going, don't you skip around nobody and try not to shake my hand, because I'm expecting to see your smiling faces. And I want to thank my sisters for giving me, I guess, enough courage to think I could come here and tell you something. If you're sitting in this church, I already know that you know Jesus. And you're just like me. You're just trying to get to heaven. In, anybody have a hard time in this old world? No, no, no. Anybody having fun in this old world, just getting by, 
your job is paying you the kind of money that you want. That's right. Your neighbors are speaking to you and being nice. Even when dogs pass you, they just wag their tail. Anybody going through that? I don't think so. And maybe if you don't raise your hand, I know you want to get to heaven out of this old world. Because I'm tired of this old world. But I want to thank Abundant Life, thank Virginia for inviting me to come. Our subject this morning is kind of different. Because you, you've been hearing these preachers that come from Oakwood, and they've studied theology for five, six, ten years. And so they know how to preach to you. But I, I'm just going to talk to you. Will, will you let me just talk to you? That's right. And so our subject is all night long. I said all night long. And first of all, I, I need to let you know that I don't have anything to offer Jesus but my thanks. So when I miss a few words and I, how, how do you do those congregating, those verbs, and I say them all wrong, just give me a good amen. That's right, because I'm probably going to do that for sure. That's right. And so we just want to share with you this morning the love of God and what he's done for us. And so that subject all night long. No doubt you know as well as I do that God has power. He's given his church power. And nations and, and, and nature all respond to God because they are under his power and his control. I know that some men have power. Yes, they do. Do you think Donald Trump have power? I mean, that man's got so much power, he probably don't even know how much money he's got in his bank. And uh, Bill Gates, he's got power. Let's talk about our young pastor, Obama. He's got power. Now, there's some people didn't want him to have that power, but he got it. Did God fix it? Yes, he did. He fixed it so he could be our president at this present time. And so this power that we're talking about uh, just now, I want you to take it under consideration. Uh, let me remind you about the children of Israel. They had been in Egypt and suffered that bondage for more than 400 years. How long have some of us been in? What is that little sweet sister back there? Been in here a hundred and how many years? Bless our heart. That's right. And so the Egyptians had been under, the, the Israelites had been under oppression by the Egyptians. They were hard taskmasters. And, and the children of Israel was required to build bricks without straw and mortar without clay. They had to deal with that type of slavery. And so, however, they tell me that God's redemptive hand could be seen. When near the Egyptian capital, near called Memphis, uh, a child was born named Moses. Now, I know some of you went to that movie to see that, that movie. I went. I went to see that movie. That's right. I hadn't been to church since I'd been an Adventist, but I went to see that Moses. When they 
divided that Red Sea and all that good stuff. But to be sure, this little bas bassinet that was in the bulrushes that his mother had put there to, so it could be, preserve him because they were about to kill every baby that they could find. They were going to kill him. And I know that morning when that mother put that bassinet in there, she had to pray and ask God, take care of Moses. And who found Moses? That daughter of Pharaoh found him. And because she wanted a baby so bad, she kept him hid and raised him. And he became a mighty, mighty prince in, um, in Egypt. But he never forgot his background. And I need to tell us that as people. Don't ever forget our background. Don't ever forget our mothers and fathers was in grandmothers and great-grandmothers went through slavery for you and me to live like we want, make as much salary as we wanted, go to any church we want. That's right. Be, take any kind of job that we are qualified for. That's what they went through down in those days in slavery so that you and I could live like we're living today. And so we can't forget Moses this morning. And although he had a stuttering and a stammering tongue, God put a sense of justice in his soul. That's what happened to these mothers and great, great, great grandmothers and things. It was a sense of justice in them. And they're saying, I don't care how you, what you do to me, I will not be a slave all my life. And so one day we became free because somebody back then decided that they wanted to be free. And when, when uh, Moses went there to Pharaoh, he told him, he said, look, you've got to let my people go. That's right. It's time to let my people go. They had served so many years. Now the word says that the children of Israel, led by Moses, left Egypt with at least, and at best, a very hasty travel arrangement. They were so glad to get out of there. That's right. And no doubt the people asked Moses, Moses, uh, how do you know where we're going? Moses simply asked him, I, I really don't know. I just, I just had to get up and move because the Spirit said move. But he knew that the Lord had said, Moses, you've got to go and you've got to get out of here. And it was not long, however, that Moses was faced with circumstances that he hadn't planned on. Finally, when the children of Israel left Egypt, they came to this big body of water. And Moses and all of those people knew that Pharaoh and his army was behind them. But here they were, standing at this Red Sea, needing to cross over. Some scholars said, or say, that when Moses stood before that Red Sea, he was at the arm of the Indian Ocean and the Gulf of Aden, which separated Africa from Arabia. Now let me tell you something about that Red Sea. It was 1,200 miles in length, 130 to 250 miles wide. 
and over 72 miles deep. Moses had a big problem standing before him. Moses was looking at over 7,200 feet of problems, and he was looking at over 1,200 miles of problems. And so the Red Sea's surface temperature averaged about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And when Moses stood before that Red Sea, it was before a significant body of water. And I want to bring to your attention that primarily because it was in the context of Moses thinking what he could do, Pharaoh chased after him to make him, to plan to take him right back into slavery. And so, the redemptive hand of God had to come into play. And God's hand began to move in favor of his children to protect them from Pharaoh and his army. Let me tell you about this world. You had better know. When you come out of this world, this world don't want to let you go. You go try going back around some of those friends of yours and let them know you are born again Christian. Seventh day Adventist. I don't think they're gonna take it too well. But you have to live it. It's not a lot, church, of what we say. People are gonna look at, see how you live in these families and homes and everything. Husbands, you treat them wives right in those homes. Wives, you treat those husbands right. Cause your neighbors are looking at you to see, oh, they, they're such Christians, let's see how they're living. Treat your children right, and teach your children to be respectful of adults. And so in other words, whenever there's an enemy behind us, you and me, God gets involved. God is interested, and God has his system turned on and turn, tuned in to my problems and yours. Whenever the child of God is in danger, God is at work all night long, working for you, trying to fix it for you, okay? And so I became interested when the word said God was at work all night, all through the night, from sundown to sunrise, God was at work all that night. And he's at work in the chill of the night for you and me, when we're resting and sleeping. If you've never read it, in the spirit of prophecy, Ellen G. White says, I didn't bring the, the quote, but I'll get it for you if you want it, I'll get it. She said, demons, stand up over your bed trying to get you, but because of angels that sell in strength, and they, they must be some pretty big boys. That's right. These angels excel in strength, and those demons can't do you no harm. That's right. Because when we sleep, we don't have any control over anything. anything. But Satan is there with his imps trying to, trying to take you out. So that ought to help you know you don't need to serve him. And uh, God is at work in the chill of the night. He's at work standing by your bed. Even when the birds are, are singing, trying to make you you're comfortable, your neighbor's dogs will start barking. That's right, and you're just trying to have a little peace and quiet, and then by five or six o'clock in the morning, they're barking, and they're probably hungry, and the neighbors don't want to get right up and feed them or whatever. 
And so uh, black as it was down in this it, uh, uh, night that these children of Israel had to leave, they moved because God said for them to move. And in the night, when you have fears, and when, in the night, when you have despair, when your sense of feeling gets, makes you scared, don't ever worry because there are angels that excel in strength that will protect and keep us. Now, part of that night, and some of that night, God was working long and hard trying to make sure his children got out of, got out of Egypt to get away. And there seemed to be some concept that a few historical threads that perhaps we could take a, a moment to examine. When you look at this Exodus story, a long time down there in Egypt serving uh, Pharaoh, and, and they, want you, they wanted them to serve the idols. I believe and I suggest that a revolutionary, a revolution took place. And religion became so involved in their hearts, they said, we're not going to stay down here. The spirit said, you don't have to stay down here and take this anymore. And so when Moses says, leave your flush pots in Egypt, tear down your tents from around Pharaoh's palace, he's tampering with tradition. When Moses suggests, let's leave the foothills of Pharaoh and the plains around the pyramids, Moses was challenging the people. And so for over 400 years, there's a social order here. You can't change religion overnight. You can't unravel what those old threads of truth did to affirm words of God to his people. But I can honestly tell you, can I tell you straight and forward? I need to tell you that Pharaoh is still on the trail of God's people today. He's on your trail and he's on my trail and the devil is making sure of that. You see what we need to know is that the sea is deep out there. Unemployment lines are getting longer. Welfare lines are getting longer. Our children are getting caught up in the world out there. The things on TV are just unspeakable. You've got to make sure your children are looking at the right thing on TV. Because in just a matter of a click of a button, they'll show them the most gross things that their little minds can, can perceive. And there's still racism in America today, as it was when Martin Luther King marched. And there's still separation among God's people in the church today. And the church is making so many tough decisions. It's dealing with divorce and disease and death. I, the church where I was at in California, a number of our young guys died from AIDS. These were Seventh-day Adventist guys. They died from AIDS. And if Israel had not left, left uh, Egypt, the report of history would have been there were some slaves 
that ended up worshiping idols of Pharaoh down in Egypt. But they decided they were not going to stay there and they were not going to do it. If Israel had not left Egypt, the chronicles of time would have testified that there was a people who compared to the indignity of slavery to the sunshine of, of freedom. They would have felt like, we're just here and we can't get away. But when the Red Sea is before you and Pharaoh's army is behind you, the people says, we're not going to let nobody turn us around. Nobody going to turn us around. Their feeling was, before I be a slave, I'll be buried in my grave. That's right. And go home to my Lord and be free. And the record is clear that it did not matter how many chariots Pharaoh had or didn't have. It did not matter how deep that water was in the Red Sea. If faith steps out and takes charge, courage will give you the strength to do it. That's right. If determination stands up and pulls up conviction with it, it belief will jump up and hold on to revolution. If commitment wakes up and puts on the garment of sanctified religion, the victory is assured because God is working all night long. I'm looking at the fact that our people came from a background that we ought to appreciate every day where we are from. When the children of Israel finally got out of Egypt, they didn't want to look back. Now that you and I have made it, let's remember God did something for his people. God did something for his black people. He freed us from slaves. He freed us from slaves. And in closing, I want to look at something that God allows us to have. He lets us have seas in our life. And because God knows sometimes that will humble us. And when these things are going well with us in our life and everything is fine, God has a way to humble us. I mean, some of us can make a hundred, a hundred thousand a, a, a what a month, and we get beside ourselves. First thing some people do when they get in that category, they move in this neighborhood. That's right. They gotta get out of the the the, the, the ghetto. They gotta move in this classy neighborhood and buy one of these big fat two hundred thousand dollar homes and then they lose their job. Yeah. That's right, the devil will test you, and then you gotta leave that, that big swanky house because you can't afford it. But we should live within our means, would you agree? We, we ought to live, I'm saying that to these young people that's out here, be sure to try to live with your, within your means, young people. And these things that uh, we're dealing with uh, this on earth, God is going to help us get through it. And sometimes he has to humble us. I know sometimes he has to humble us as people because when we get up there, sometimes we think we're, you know, we're pretty classy now. And we're living in the, in the neighborhood where all them people are lighter than I am. 
and they got long hair and all that blue eyes and all that stuff. Well, things that was supposed to go well with us, even wherever we are. And if we let God, if we let God live in our life and be used by us, he will do that as a people. You see, when some people have a good job and money in the bank and they feel so self-sufficient, they think they had a whole world in their hand, they find out that God gave them that strength to get well. That's Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18. If the Lord's been good to you, if he's brought you out of something, if he's made a way when, when there was no way, your song ought to be praise God from whom all blessings flow. And there is a God this morning, church. He still makes wrongs right. There's a God this morning that will make a table before you in the presence of your enemy. And I don't know how the children of Israel made their way through that Red Sea, but I do know that my Bible says that an angel of the Lord went before them. And when Pharaoh's army got too close, the angels went around and got between them and, and the army of Pharaoh. And it was darkness to Pharaoh, but it was light to the children of Israel. I just wanna say in closing, God power defends you. Keep these in mind, please. These are promises of God. God's power defends you. His faithfulness abides with you. His holiness will wash you. His justice will justify you. His mercy will mold you. His kindness will keep you. His word will hide you all night long. And so just in closing, remember, he's your sword, he's your shield all night long. He's your protector, he's your way maker, that's right. He's your deliverer, he's, he's my everything. He's your everything all night long. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping us and teaching us, if we trust you, you can get us through our rivers, get us through our seas, and you can help us get home to heaven, and he's coming soon. Lord, as we leave this place, as we think on your word, help us to know. Your plan is for every man, woman, and boy, and girl in this room to be saved in your kingdom when the angel comes to take your people home. When this old world is gonna burn up, your children are gonna be up in the kingdom looking down at a world burned up with the devil in it. And we wanna give you that praise. Keep us, guide us, and protect us. Save us, Lord, when you come is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. for the benediction, please. She gave us a lot to cheer on. She gave us a lot to meditate upon. And it's just so precious that, as she said, she's not from some well-known college, but she brought it all down to us. 
She brought it to make it just so plain for us to meditate upon and thank God for what he can do for us even if we don't go to those schools of higher learning. So Holy Father, as we come to the close of this hour, Lord, we lift our hearts up to thee in praise and thanksgiving. And we praise you, Lord, and thank you for what this has meant to each and every one of us. May it be inspiring to us as we leave this place, Holy Father, and may it remain with us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated, please.